a seamless flow. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm so happy and blessed to be able to stand here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship. We have a, uh, a program where people submit a memory verse, a scripture verse, for us to read. So I chose one this morning out of our jar. This morning it is an anonymous one. It was not signed. And when I picked it and I looked at it, my first reaction was, oh, what a surprise. This really ties in so well with what we're going to speak on. And then I thought, it shouldn't be a surprise on how we teach and how our family studies God's word because it fits right in. It would be no surprise that someone would like this verse. So it is Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We looked at a verse very similar to that downstairs in Sunday school class, that it is the faith of Christ, his faithfulness, what he determined before the foundation of the world, this is what we're going to do. And we are so beneficiaries of that. Thank you, whoever chose that verse. It fits right in. So, we are going to start in Psalms. In the 25th chapter. And that was our verse, was 25, verse 6. That was in the bulletin. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for your matchless grace, for your mercy to us as we gather together and look in your word, which you have given us. We praise your name. Throughout all ages, you have endowed upon mankind the tender mercies and loving kindnesses, and we praise your name for that. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. So. We're going to start in 25, Psalms 25, verse 6. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. This is a psalm of David. David is able to have a relationship with God through a covenant. He had a different position than we today. This covenant relationship was God's way to have a relationship with man because of a terrible event, which we'll look at here in just a little bit. But David had a covenant relationship with God. Let's continue reading in this 25th chapter, verse 7. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy tender 
to thy mercy remember thou me. For thy goodness sake, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and testimonies. This mercy, these, this goodness isn't just spread out to everyone, is it? This is based on a covenant relationship, and we see that in verse 10, the very last line, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. It was very necessary for people in a covenant relationship to receive the blessings to fulfill their part of that covenant relationship. That's where David was. And he pleaded with the Lord to remember him. He pleaded with the Lord to not remember the sins of his youth, nor his transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me, and thy goodness sake, O Lord. It's interesting to note that the word in verse 6, that is mercies, is different than the word in 7, that's mercy. Mercies is often translated in conjunction with the compassion of a mother for their children. The Lord had tender mercies for all. The mercy of the Lord to not bring judgment was contingent and based upon the person adhering to their part of the covenant relationship. A very different situation than what we have today. The context, it shows a different house rule, a dispensation, a different uh, oikonomia, if you will, than what we operate under today. But we can make application from a scripture like this, but we must take care to rightly divide, rightly divide the word of scripture. We have in this verse 6, it says, for they have been ever of old. How long does that go back? Ever of old. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Verse 15. As we come upon this time of the year, many people celebrate an event, and they call it Christmas. And it's so uh, different for many different people. (laughs) But the tender mercies of old that I'm thinking of are very specific. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. What in the world? How is this good news? That sounds like a terrible situation, doesn't it? This is an answer by Almighty God to address a huge problem that came about in God's perfect creation. 
we have perfect situation as God created it. We have God Almighty. We have Adam. They have this relationship. It's like that. What a perfect thing, right? But there was a huge problem came into that perfect situation. Adam enlisted in a war. Why would he do that? Well, I think Adam wanted to be like God. And he enlisted in an army of someone else who wanted to be like God, that wanted to rule and reign. This war was going on already. This verse that we just read is an announcement by God Almighty to Satan, who's the, who's the evil one in the war, this is what's going to happen to you. What kind of general tells his enemy what's going to happen? Why would he do that? Well, I think it has to do with prophecy. As people would read this, how often do we read in the Hebrew scriptures, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? This is a prophecy to let people know, people that are actually having ears to hear and are paying attention and wanting to know, they could identify who this one is going to be. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Almighty God is telling Satan, this is what's going to happen. Why, why, why did this happen? There was sin and death brought into this world because of one man. And that one man was Adam. How, how did he do that? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thou shalt surely die. Another way to translate that would be, Dying you will die. The moment that Adam enlisted in this war against Almighty God, and he sinned, he died in the sense that he was separated from God. Here's God and Adam. Now there's this big problem called sin in the way. This, this relationship that they had, it's now spoiled by this sin that is in the way. And so he died spiritually, and he also started dying physically. Sundar taught us in our Sunday school class that man was created to live forever. But now there is a death involved brought in by Adam when he enlisted in this war. So what, how, how, what's the solution? Well, Almighty God provided a covering for Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they enlisted in this war and caused this sin problem, 
there was sacrifice was made, there was a covering for them, and God was instituted down through the ages a program that man could have a relationship with God, and it was it's a covenant program. If you do this, I will bless you. If you do this, I will curse you. Man had a responsibility to perform his part of the covenant or else he would have curses. If he performed according to what he was supposed to do, he would have blessings. It was a twofold thing. There was faith and there was duty to do it. The covenant was very important. It was God's method. It was God's house rule. It was a covenant relationship. I have a responsibility to do this, to have a relationship with Almighty God. That's where David was when he penned his psalm that we just looked at. His relationship with God was dependent upon the covenant and his testimonies. So we move forward through time. We looked at Genesis 3.15 about the seed of the woman and it being a prophecy that will be fulfilled in the future. We can move forward through time and look in Isaiah 53. We'll just pick one. There are many prophecies that point to that this sin problem is going to be taken care of. You know, that's not part of the mystery that the Lord was going to, that the sin problem was going to be taken care of. That's not mystery. That's part of prophecy. Excuse me. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Another prophecy for people to be able to recognize what was going to happen. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. How many of Israel did that apply to as a percentage? (laughs) Not too many. How many in this world are seeking the truth today? (laughs) Not too many. It's not, it's not. Something out of the blue. It's the way mankind is. So we have this prophecy that this is going to to take care of this sin problem. At this time of year, we have celebrations. And people celebrate Christmas, which means all kinds of different things to all kinds of different people. It's really sad that so many 
see that their only idea of who this one that they're talking about in this prophecy, their only idea, and they probably don't connect it to this prophecy, is this little baby Jesus in a nativity scene. Maybe they heard on the news that the church up the street, some bad people went in there and they stole the baby Jesus. They don't understand who that really represents. Who was this one who was born of a virgin? That'd be next week. <laughs> who was born of a virgin, came into this world. Who was he really? Last week during the song service, I read a scripture from Colossians that pointed to who Jesus is, that he created all things. All things were created by him and for him, and by him all things consist. What was that little baby Jesus doing? You know when, when Mary and Elizabeth met, and John, the baptizer in vitro, jumped with joy because there was the Lord in vitro in Mary. What was the Lord Jesus doing right then? He was holding everything together. It says in Colossians, by him all things consist. You want to know why gravity works? It's because of the Jesus Christ. That little babe in vitro, he was holding everything together. I don't know that we think about it that way too often. We see this little baby, and he grew into a man, and we say, oh, that's such a wonderful story. His God Almighty made man to take care of this sin problem, this most big problem that nobody could solve on their own. God made a way for mankind to have a relationship with him through the sacrificial program and the covenant program so that they could have a relationship. But that didn't take away sin. We read that in Hebrews, don't we? It makes it plain that that constant sacrifice, it constantly brought that sin problem before mankind, didn't it? During that, underneath that, under that covenant program. What did we just read in Galatians 2.20? Did I read something there that addressed that? This is extra, no charge. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in this flesh. You know, it'd be nice if God would have taken us and made us perfect while we live down here, right? <laughs> but that, what, that's not what he did. We live in this flesh, and it is tainted, and we have a responsibility to live according to who we really are in Christ. He makes it possible. He took care of all that sin 
and took it out of the way. By him, all things consist. We had the prophecy in Isaiah. It's most important for us to rightly divide the word of truth, isn't it? We can become so confused as we study the scriptures if we make application to somebody else's mail, to some instructions that don't apply to us. So how does this work for us in this day of God's grace? Let's go to Romans chapter 3. But now, verse 21, that must indicate that there was something before, right? But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. We had a great discussion in Sunday school class about that. And, and uh, thank you, Rick. You're up here. There he is. He brought that to our attention and we talked about it. Come on down, 9.30 every Sunday morning. If you want to come for the pre-class discussion, it usually starts about 9. We have a great time. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. What was David doing? What did it say in our scripture for the day? Verse 6. It said that God's mercy was upon those who did the commandment and the testimonies, right? That was under the law. That was very necessary. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. You know, Paul worked really hard to make Israel jealous. I think that could be part of what's going on here. It was witnessed, this wonderful thing, this, this righteousness of God applied without the law. It was made manifest, made bright, out there. An example of what it, what's it mean to be manifest? I probably shared this before, but we have new people, so I'll say it again. I used to work, my career was in a power plant. I worked a lot of different jobs there. Uh, for a time, they stuck me in the, the shipping and receiving. And there would come a pallet in. And it would, it would define who it, it came from. It was from solar energy. That was the name of our uh, combustion turbine engines. So this pallet would come and it would it said on it, solar. So what exactly was in this pallet? Well, I could open up the manifest and I had to check and make sure that each part that was listed on the manifest was actually in there. It was a very detailed list of everything associated with it. Just looking at the outside of the pallet, 
the guys walking by, they say, oh, we got that order from, from Solar. I wonder if that uh, fuel valve that I ordered is in there. Well, he couldn't tell from the outside, but when it was made manifest, then we knew exactly what it was. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. It's being told to everyone. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. This is a thing that's available to every person. What's the qualifier? That believes. That believes. It's, it's apart from the law. This covenant relationship has ended. It's no longer in force. You cannot come to Almighty God in a covenant relationship today. It's based on what he has already done. This sin problem, where'd it go? Oh, well, look. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. See, that's not, and we've talked about this so many times. It's the faith, the faithfulness, the finished work, what God decided to do. It wasn't like, and we talked about this downstairs, it wasn't like before the foundation of the world that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together and said, well, what do you think, guys? You think this will work? No, it was like it was determined, this is what's going to happen. And, and this righteousness of God, it's not by how much I believe it's by what he already did. There's no way that I could make this sin go away. The only way this sin could go away was by the faith of Jesus Christ. And it is unto all. It's available to all. It's been made manifest. Everybody, it's, it's out there for everyone. It's unto all and upon all them that believe. So just like David listed that thy mercies to those who keep the commandment and testimony, right? There was a qualifier. Here's a qualifier, but it's not the law. It just said that the, it's apart from the law. It can't be the law. So what's the qualifier? Them that believe. Just believe that what Jesus did took care of this sin problem. This sin problem is gone. It is gone. For there is no difference. The, the context here is comparing Jews, Gentiles, covenant, grace, there is no difference. All people, there's only one way, one way to approach God by grace, and that's through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
us going all the way to 26. Wow. 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no difference. All are guilty before God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nothing we can do to take this sin out of the way. There's nothing we can do to make it more better, right? It was a perfect love. It's all gone. The sin is taken out of the way. 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How much does it cost for grace? Tammy says zero. Do I have another bid? Anybody have another bid? No, there's two more zeros. <laughs> Stacy had two zeros. I was talking to a guy a while back, and we were talking about eternal things. And he was making an offer. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you a discount and get more grace. I said, well, wait a minute. Let's talk about this for a second. And it ended up being like a 45-minute conversation that was very productive. To be able to show that you cannot buy grace. The very meaning of the word. It's, it's uh, diametrically opposed buying something and receiving grace. You can't buy grace. It's, you, it's either there or it's not. It's a free gift. It just said that, didn't it? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When did that happen? Is that future, present, past? The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Was that future, present, or past? <laughs> when did when did this sin problem go away? At the cross. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Does he keep us? Yeah. So it keeps going on. Being justified freely, justified is past tense. Freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. There was one thing that could happen to take care of this sin. That was the sacrifice of Almighty God. He demanded the payment. And he made the payment. The propitiation through faith in his blood. That's the, our response to what he has done. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. So is his righteousness for the remission of sins. So can I make my remissions of sins, do I make it better by how I live? Are my sins remitted more the better I am? 
done. The sin problem was taken out of the way. There's no way to have a relationship with Almighty God at this time unless that sin is gone. Under the covenant relationship, they could make sacrifices and it would cover the sin, right? And they could have a relationship with God. That's, that's no longer in effect. There's only one sacrifice possible today so that we can have a relationship with God. That's the one that took the sin out of the way. He was God Almighty himself, died on the cross, paid for the sin, the propitiation. It was absolute payment on him, and he gives us freely, justified freely by his grace. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Back to Genesis chapter 3. Adam enlisted in the war against God Almighty. What was an action that God would have been perfectly justified in doing. That's it, you know. He, he, he pronounced to him, you will die. Dying, you will die. Our relationship is completely changed. There's sin in between us. He would have been justified in saying, that's it. But he expressed and said, tender mercies and loving kindnesses. And proclaimed to him that the seed of the woman is going to take care of this problem. The seed of the woman is going to take care of this problem. Now, he told Satan that, too. Hmm. This war is going on. Is that war still going on today? You know, it's, it's popular, I think, to have the idea that at the cross... The war ended. It was a major battle. I mean, it was a turning point. The end of the war is certainly determined. This problem of sin is no longer in the way. Satan has to be really upset that man can now have this free access to Almighty God, and even have a position. We looked in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning that we, we being believers in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are members of the church, the body of Christ, if you have never believed and put your faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ apart from any good you could do, do that today. Become a member of the church, the body of Christ. The we are being held up by Almighty God right now as a showcase to principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Satan can't be happy about that. <laughs> At the cross, when this sin was dealt with and taken out of the way, we like to think maybe that Satan was like, oh, I'm done now. He's like, no, he's still fighting. He's still fighting. The war continues. And where are we in this war? 
2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 4. Verse 3. Sorry, Tim. But if our gospel be hid, what gospel is that? The gospel of the grace of God. The only way to be inducted, to be put into, to be identified with Christ, into this church, the body of Christ, this gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. Trust faith in that gospel. That is the gospel for today. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Oh, my. How many, how many of us did that apply to? That's past tense. Every single one. Every single one of us could look back in our lives and say, I was lost. Some of us can remember the very day, right? A, a number, a month, a year, a day, right? I don't remember that. I remember the time. I was right around nine years old, eight years old, in June Howard's Sunday school class. How many remember June Howard? There's a few of us, yeah. June Howard, and you know, it wasn't a, a one thing that all of a sudden you say, oh, I never heard that before. It was a constant training, understanding the gospel, right? So included in this whole experience is my up bringing, and this may seem weird the way I say this, but it's the truth. Uh, my father, love him, was a perfectionist. And it was very plain to us as kids that we were not perfect. <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying, right? What? Okay, I'm not perfect. June laid it out that in Heaven is perfection. The only way to be perfect is to have somebody perfect take you. Right? That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He was perfect. He was buried and he rose again. He's God Almighty. Believe on him. And you will be perfect in heaven with him. Did I understand it the way I understand now? No. I did understand that I wasn't perfect and that if I was judged for me, I'd have a judgment like my father, and I didn't want that. So every one of us, at a point, the gospel was hid to us. Who's doing that? Who's hiding the gospel to those who are lost? Is the war going on? 
The war is very active. In whom, verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That little baby Jesus, the image of God, is God Almighty. So what are we going to do? It's like, it seems like a very hopeless situation. This light, this glorious light, who's more powerful, God or Satan? God is more powerful. This glorious light is hid to them who need to hear it. Verse 5, for we preach. What? Who wants to preach? Every one of us can preach. You don't have to come up here to preach. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus Christ. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. When did that happen? Very first part of Genesis. This is a description of who God is. He commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Jesus Christ, creator, redeemer. He commanded light to shine out of darkness. Now he hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to the face, in the face of Jesus Christ. That little baby Jesus in us, that's God Almighty. He's by the whole world consists by him. And how do people know that this light exists? By preaching. It's our, we have the privilege, the job to tell everyone this glorious gospel of the grace of God. What better time than right now in this season? Who is, what, this nativity, who, what, what's that? baby in a manger. Who, who is that? Ask people. That's God Almighty. Did you know that he took care of your sin? He took it out of the way. Took it out of the way. You know, during the uh, ministry of the Apostle Paul, he warned the elders at Ephesians. We've been going through the book of Ephesians downstairs in Sunday school for a little while, a minute or so, right? Paul warned the elders at Ephesus that there were hard times coming. Paul was on the way to Jerusalem. He's going to end up a prisoner. He's going to go to Rome. He will eventually write this pinnacle letter of Ephesians, where we find who we really are in Christ. Before he wrote that, he was on the way to Jerusalem, and he warned them that there would be grievous wolves come in among them and destroy his work. He warned them. Let's look at Galatians 5, verse 1. 
Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What is the yoke of bondage? It's this law. What was the problem with the church at Galatia? They were, in, they were infiltrated by the grievous wolves who came back in. And this wonderful gospel of the grace of God, which tells us that this sin problem has been taken totally away. It's gone. You have free access to Almighty God through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. These grievous wolves want to put things back in there. They want to steal the liberty that we have in grace and put a cost on it and say, oh no, oh no. That's what Paul was warning them. The church today, the church today is totally infiltrated with this. There's, there's rules, there's things that you can make God love you better. If you don't keep the law, if you don't, you know, you're not really saved. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what God said. He says he's, we are justified freely by his grace through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's also able to perform. And he did it. That sin is gone. That sin, gone. Fully paid propitiation of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have if you are struggling it's so often that people will say I'm doing the best that I can. And I and if you are struggling with guilt, that you're not living good enough. If you believe, if you are fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's also able to perform it, if you are in that there, that's your faith, you trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, your guilt has no place in your life. Romans 6 said, should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? The answer is, of course, God forbid. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm inviting you to understand as we live our lives in the flesh. We read that earlier, right? As I live my life in the flesh, it's not me that's making me alive. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are struggling with guilt, look at Romans 8, verse 33. Romans 8.33. I probably didn't write this one down, did I, Tim? This is a bonus. There is no charge. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. You know, in Revelation, we read about the accuser, Satan, before God's throne, accusing the brethren, right? Let's rightly divide. 
Romans 8.33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Remember we've read in the propitiation? Where's that sin? Where'd it go? Is there, is there any effectual charge that can be made? Is there anything that Satan can charge and make it stick, right? <laughs> Take it to the court. Is, the is, this, is there any possibility of a successful prosecution against the elect? Who's the elect? The body of Christ. Those who believe and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can make a charge? And the answer is no one. Because everything was taken care of by the finished work of the Lord Jesus. God Almighty in that manger. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for your matchless grace, your mercy to us. We pray, we pray, each of us will be strong in you. Understand that it's not our efforts, it's the faith of Jesus Christ that makes it possible. We lift you up, praise your name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.